by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, does anybody remember what our job description is as Christians? We talked about last week. Christians said ambassadors, and so did some others have been listening. Give yourselves a big hand today. <laughs> That's good. That's good. We are ambassadors for Christ. Angie uh, works at a restaurant on the weekends, Seafood Junction, and she had an employee appreciation dinner that they have once a year, and she invited me to go as her guest. <laughs> she, everybody gets, every employee gets to bring somebody. And so we went, and boy, we ate a big old fat steak, and they just treated us so nice. And as we were sitting at the table across from uh, people I didn't really know that well, but there was this young man, probably 17 years old, was sitting across from me, and the thought hit me, I think I should see him. I wonder where I got a thought like that. Was, was it last week's message about seeing people? Well, anyway, that thought hit me, and it came back to me. Hopefully, it came back to you before the week was over. And you said, I want to see somebody with God's eyes. Because if you can see him, man, that's the, that's the open door. So I saw him, and I said, Lord, how do I see him? Because he was quiet. He wasn't saying a word. And you know how teenagers can be. They're probably not going to listen to adults that they don't know. They probably shouldn't these days, you know. But anyways... I didn't rush it. I said, Holy Spirit, you lead and guide me. All I did was open the door. I said, let me see him, Lord. And uh, somewhere along the line, I said, son, uh, where do you go to school? Well, you know, I started asking him, does he play sports? And he told me about his job and everything. And I said, well, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to college or where are you going from after high school? He said, I don't know yet. I'm still thinking about it. And I started to pounce on him. But we, the food was served and everything. I said, I didn't feel like it was the right time. So I, we just went on with the dinner and ate, and I kept looking for an opportunity. I was ready for the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And sure enough, as we got up, we, they said that, you know, the meeting was over and everything. We was going to leave. We all got up, and his, his grandmother went on out ahead, was talking to somebody, and everybody cleared out, and he was kind of standing over in the corner. And so that's when I cornered him. <laughs> And I said, son, uh, you know you said that you're still thinking about what you're going to do with your life. And I went on to tell him that God has the plan for your life. And instead of just thinking about it and going around in circles, hoping this is right and hoping, you know, you get it right, why don't you, you, don't, why don't you pray and find out what God wants you to do and save yourself all these years that I wasted trying to do my own thing? Just gave him some advice, you know, and then the Holy Spirit led it and everything. And I didn't, I didn't get all into, you know, are you saved or whatever. He said he prays. Um, sometimes you don't get to close the deal. You got to be prompted by the Spirit. Now, in the old days, I would have run him halfway up out of there before we even finished the steak, right? I'd have attacked him, you know, and Tony, you know, because <laughs> I attacked you many times. And many of you in here have been attacked by me. Don't go around telling that, you know. 
But anyway, to make a long story short, I left him with a seed. And the young man's, I believe God's going, and I'm praying for him too now. And I believe that God is going to remind him that he should pray and listen to, for what he's supposed to do and not just try to wind up somewhere is what we do if we don't do that, isn't it? Let's pray. Father, we lift up that young man to you right now as a church. That you would continue to bring that to his remembrance. And he would decide to pray to you and listen to you. And you would reveal yourself to him. You would send other laborers across his path. That he might uh, be assured of his salvation. And you put his feet on the solid path. The narrow path. The good path that leads to life. Father, we pray that you would speak to each one of us today in a special way, the way that we can receive, that we would have ears, spiritual ears, to hear what you are trying to say to us today. You do the same thing, Lord. You wait to that opportunity that we give you an, uh, an opportunity. You wait until we're ready, and I pray that we are all ready to hear what you would say today. And I pray it in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, if you want to put that up there. And if you have a paper Bible, God bless you. If you have a paper Bible, raise your hand. Everybody else applaud them. <laughs> Praise God. You're old school. And some things you continue to be old school and, and that you'll be doing good. Hebrews 12, 14. I'm going to read it out of the New King James Version. You know, most of the time I preach out of the New Living Translation and, and a lot out of the New King James Version. I cut my teeth on the King James Version. And so that's where I learned most of the scriptures. But then uh, I realized a lot of people didn't understand the these and the thou, so I switched to an easier translation. I think the New Living Translation is a good one. But I often go back to the New King James because it says it in a way that, that I, I remember cutting my teeth on it. It says, pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Now, we're talking about seeing people. We, we certainly need to see the Lord, right? And I begin to look at this scripture. It says, pursue peace with all people. Now, of course, that means we want to get along. Me and you, we don't want to fight. That's not God's way. He doesn't like strife. But it could mean, also, if you think about it, it could mean pursue peace with all people, meaning you're trying to help them make peace with God. Have you ever thought about, it just came to me, in this context, you know, the scripture just keeps on giving. And you could say, yeah, we're pursuing people so that they can have peace with God. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. That word holiness in the Greek is the word hagamus. And it means sanctification of heart and life. I often just say it means set apart. Sanctification means set apart. You set yourself apart for something. And holiness means you set your life, all of you, and your heart, which is the core of you, you set it apart for the things of God. That is holiness. We get a misconception that holiness means you're perfect and you never make a mistake. 
because we think about the holiness of God, right? He is perfect, never makes a mistake. But holiness for us means that we set our lives and our hearts apart for the one who is holy. So we can be holy because the Bible says, be ye holy. He wouldn't have told us to do something we can't do. You can set your heart and your life apart for Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? And it says, without which no one will see the Lord. Of course, that means without holiness, you're not even going to be looking for the Lord because you're not set apart for him. You've got your mind on other things. You're not going to see the Lord. But it also could mean, remember, we're pursuing peace with all people. It could mean nobody else. No one's going to see the Lord. Because you're not leading anybody to the Lord because your life is not set apart. Your heart is not set apart to the Lord. How many of you know that this matter of holiness is not just for you? There are people watching you. There are people observing observing your life. I thought the young man at the employee appreciation dinner now, what if I'd have sat down at the table, started running people down? You see that girl's hair over there? You know, spreading rumors. What if I'd have been cussing like a sailor at the table? What if I'd have got up and went on four smoke breaks and come back smelling like wacky weed? Do you think he's, he's interested at all in what I got to say other than where can he buy some wacky weed? Which direction are you pointing to me? <laughs> Maybe we need to change the message here. Or, or what if something is as simple as if I was just on my phone the whole time? Not paying him any attention, you see, not seeing him. It was the seeing him that gave me the opportunity to speak into his life. And it was the holiness that's, that made him want to listen. Not saying that, you know, I got it all together, but for that one minute I did, you know. <laughs> Second Corinthians 6, 17 says, Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. You say, but what, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor, this is totally contradictory to what you said last week. Last week you said, go find them. Get out there in the world and make friends with sinners. You remember that? So now you're saying separate yourself from them? I don't know where where you're going with this, Pastor. Which one is it? (laughs) Well, when we say, I, I believe what this scripture is saying, it says separate yourself, not in proximity, not in your physical location, but, but your, your manner of conduct. Separate yourself by your manner of conduct. Come out from among the way they live. Separate yourself so that they see a higher ideal set before them. That's how I justify. Because see, Jesus ate with sinners. But then after they got through eating, he didn't go out and kill nobody with them. He didn't go out and cheat nobody with them. He was there with the express purpose to seek and save that which was lost. So when you go on a mission out into the world to reach somebody, 
Remember that you are representatives of the kingdom of God, ambassadors for Christ. And behave yourself in such a manner that you bring glory to God. You bring the glory when you walk in the room. There's a darkness all around, but they begin to see the light as you walk into the room. You are the light of the world. Don't hide your light under a bushel, no. Don't shove it under the bed, but set it on a stand for all to see that God is good. God is good. Now, don't get me wrong. You're not saying, look at me. You know, we got a lot of self-righteous Christians. Their light's not shining at all. They think it is. Your light, you don't have a light apart from God. It is God's glory. God said, I will not share my glory with anybody. You're not going to get a portion of his glory for, say, look at me. It's so that they can see him in you. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Is all this making sense? Any questions? Give him all the glory. That's right. So come out from among them in, in your manner of conduct, but not in your proximity. There's two roads we can travel that we're going to talk about today. And you've seen it in the Bible that there's a wide path that leads to destruction, and there's a narrow way that leads to life. And few there be that find it. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the few there be. But you got to choose which path you're going to take. And let me tell you something. You can't ride two buses at once. Y'all know I'm all, I always say that if you want to get to Nashville, that's, your, that's the destination you want. You don't get on the bus to Detroit. Right? Because you're not getting there. You got to get on the bus with the people going to Nashville. And you certainly can't get on two buses at once. So you got to make up your mind today whom you're going to serve, who you're going to follow. Jesus said, Follow me. He didn't make things difficult on us, He said, Come follow me. You can ride this Titanic down. Or you can get on a lifeboat and help others on the lifeboat. But you can't do both. Hmm. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you something that blew my mind when I studied this out. You remember we talked about Abraham. And when he was in the land of Haran, what does that mean? Anybody remember the word Haran in the Greek? Crossroads. He was at a crossroads in his life. God said, follow me. He decided to get up and go and follow God. And, and I believe most of us have been to that crossroads. There's a crossroads where God says, you're going to follow me or you're just going to keep doing your thing. And your thing wasn't working, so you said, I'm following you from now on. And you made that decision. And so he left, and he, remember he took his uh, nephew Lot with him and his family. They got out there, and then... When they were staying at a place called Bethel, the word Bethel means house of God. They were in a little town called Bethel. They had their tents set up, but they weren't getting along. There was friction in the church, so in the house of God, so to speak. And when I looked up, I was looking to see what the word Bethel meant, and it meant the house of God. 
And it said that, that the land of Bethel, you're not going to believe this, is at a crossroad. The land of Bethel was another crossroad. Well, Abraham had another decision. You made the decision, many of you have made, most of you have made the decision that I'm, I'm putting my life in God's hands. I'm going to follow him. But somewhere along the line, after you've been traveling a while, you start taking back some of the, the old ways. And you come to a new crossroad in your life. Are you going to set yourself apart? Are you ready to be sanctified? Some of you are just chicken fried. No. But we need to be sanctified. Set apart. You can, what's the, I, I, I think the word, I'm not sure I need to study this out, but they often talk about being converted. Right? You're saved, but you got a lot to work out, you know. God's taking you through the wilderness, and you're following him, and he's, he's teaching you his ways. But at some point, you got to say, I'm all in. I'm going to be converted. As for me and my house, we're, we're going whole hog. And Abraham got to that second crossroads in his life. Because him and Lot weren't getting along in the house of God. <laughs> Man, there should never be strife in the house of God. Let me just say this before we go any further. I don't know of anything I've done to any of y'all, but love you and pray for you. Please don't get mad at me behind my back. If, if, if I've done something to you, come to me, please, and we can work it out. We can go heart to heart, me and you. Okay? Because that's the devil. That is the devil <clears throat> when there's strife in the house of God. And it don't have to be me. It can be somebody else in here. If the devil is talking to you, you may not recognize the devil. It might just sound like your own voice. <laughs> <laughs> It just might sound like you, but, but if you're feeling animosity towards somebody and it's causing you not even to want to go to church or this or that, well, I don't like the way they, they worship. I don't like this or that. I don't know why I'm going on this rabbit trail. I guess it's good for somebody. That is the devil. There should not be division in the house of God. When they were in that upper room, and when they were visited on the day of Pentecost, they were all in one accord. Yes. That didn't mean they believed and acted the same way and had the same personality, but that believed, they, they believed that God was what they needed. And he was more important than personalities, conflicts. <laughs> so where was I at before I interrupted myself? They are at a place. Well, they got to make some decisions. They're not getting along. And Abraham said, I don't want to not get along, but we got we to part ways because our people are fighting. So he said, you choose which way you want to go. Abraham already knew he was going to continue to follow the Lord, and he did in his life. But today we're going to talk about Lot's decision. Lot said, hmm, well, let me see. Do I got a choice? And you know you got a choice too. Everybody got a choice. 
God doesn't take away your free will at any point. And Lot says, well, it looked good over there at Sodom and Gomorrah. They look like they're having lots of fun. And so he decided to live in the world, so to speak. Mm, mm, mm. He wanted to live a secular life in Sodom with a little God on the side. He wanted to live his Monday through Saturday doing what he wanted to do and go to church on Sunday and do God a favor. Clock in. Well, God, you know I go to church on Sunday. That makes me a good person, right? He wanted a buffet-style Christianity where he looks at the Scriptures and says, well, I want that. Yeah, that looks good. That brings blessing into my life. But that's telling me that I can't do what I want to do, and I'm not listening to that. And they, he, he began to twist the Scriptures. You know, people can make Scriptures say whatever they want to. I, I tell you, I can't tell you how many times people told me that they ought to smoke marijuana because God made it grow on the earth. You know what I'm saying? And some of you are saying, yeah, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Look, I ain't the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to let him deal with you on that. <clears throat> and that's another thing if we're taking rabbit trails. Let the Holy Ghost work in people's life. You ain't the Holy Ghost police. Okay, but that was aside the points. <laughs> that's where the division comes in we start pointing fingers at each other okay many actually thousands of years later Peter is writing his book you know he, Jesus has already come now and been resurrected and Peter writes his book in the New Testament in 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 8 he's talking about Lot he remembers Lot, and he's going to give us some wisdom. He says, for that righteous man. Now, what we've said about Lot so far doesn't sound like he's a righteous man. But I guess what it means is he did, while he was traveling with Abraham, believe in the God of Abraham. And just like Abraham's faith made him be counted right with God, Lot's faith, and the same God made him right with God, you know, positionally. Not in his activities, maybe, but positionally, he was a righteous man. For that righteous man dwelling among them, where was he dwelling? In the city of Sodom. If you don't know where Sodom, you hadn't heard of Sodom, Sodom was a, it was like Horn Lake, I'm telling, no, just <laughs> It was almost as bad as South Haven. No. It was a bad place. It was a notorious place in the Bible. Not the worst because Jesus said there were some worse than Sodom and Gomorrah in his time. <laughs> but that righteous man dwelling among them in Sodom, deciding to live in the world, it says, in seeing and hearing, vexed, his righteous soul. Well, last week if I'd have preached this, I'd have said, I don't know what vexed means, but it don't sound good. It sounds like some kind of hocus pocus. It sounds like some kind of empty darkness on the inside. Vex you? 
I don't know what that means. So I looked it up, and it means to torment, to trouble, to distress, to plague, to worry. Man, does that sound like things you want in your life? I'll sign up for that. I want to be tormented and <laughs> distressed and troubled. No, we got enough of that. And that's what you get in this world. When you live like the world in this world, do the things the world does, seeing and hearing and probably speaking the same things they do, guess what? Your soul is going to be vexed, troubled. Can I take another little rabbit trail? I think that might be part of why God is bringing revival to this nation. These young people, they start out on their phones with pornography and all this stuff, and they've seen everything that we took us 60 years to see. And they're 13 years old, and they've already seen it. And their soul is so vexed, they're like, there's got to be a better way. And they're crying out to God. I believe that's where this revival is coming, and God is answering their hearts. Cry. Hmm. He vexed his righteous soul from day to day with unlawful deeds. He was getting in there with them. He was doing unlawful deeds. Because you know what? If you hang with people, you're going to do what they do. Good, uh, bad morals corrupt, corrupt good character, the Bible says. So the next thing you know, well, I was serving the Lord, but the Lord who? Now you're writing bad checks and cheating your neighbor and all these other things you never thought you would do. But your soul has been vexed. So we're going to talk about the things that happened. We see the first thing that after he moved to Sodom, there was that big war we told you about, five kings against four kings. And Lot got, and his whole family got carried off captive. Their side lost the war. All his stuff got taken away, and his family and himself. He was blessed that he didn't get killed there. It was God's mercy on his life. He didn't get killed. That he just got carried away captive. And you want to know something? You live in the world, you're going to suffer the world's consequences. You jump in the back seat of a, a gang's car, and they shoot up a neighborhood, and they get pulled over. It don't matter if you had a gun or not. You're going to suffer the world's consequences. So he's taken away, and Abraham hears about it, and you, we already discussed this. He goes and rescues Lot. With 300 men, he defeats four kings, thousands of men, and he rescues Lot. And you would think, what would... If you were Lot, you say, Abraham, can we come back? Abraham, can we, we shouldn't have went this way. Man, I just feel ugly on the inside. I'm vexed. My soul, I'm starting to do things I shouldn't do. And it, it costs me. There's already been consequences. I almost lost my life. Can I come home? Can I go back to serving God with you? Or Abraham, you got any advice to help me get back on track? But he missed his opportunity at a wake-up call. You can get so far in darkness, you can't see your way out. And this happened quickly. He didn't want to repent. Not yet. I wrote this. 
Don't confuse God's mercy as God's acceptance. I have my own struggles in life, and God has shown me such mercy. But I'm going to tell you, don't presume on God's mercy. Mercy is something he gives you you don't deserve, but it's not guaranteed. It'll be new tomorrow because it's new every morning. But you might die before it gets in the morning. Don't presume on God's mercy. Mercy. So then he goes back to living in Sodom. He's still doing the same things. And God sends angels. You remember the story we talked about? He sends the angel of the Lord and two angels. And they talk with Abraham. And Abraham's trying to convince them not to send fire and brimstone down on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Because he tells them, you know, we've come down here. And I love what it says. It says, we've come down there to see if it's not so or something like along those lines. In other words, God didn't come down there hoping that it was so so that he could nuke them. He came down there hoping that it wasn't so. He came down there on a mission to say, is there any way that I can spare these people? And when Abraham says, well, Lord, what if there's 50 righteous? And, you know, he started bargaining with God about trying to save the people. I'm sure that, that what, what, what kind of prayer is that called? Intercessory prayer. I'm sure those intercessory prayers of Abraham was mighty pleasing to God. Because he takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, even when he has to kill him. You see what I'm saying? So where was I at? He sends the angels. And the angels, the the angel of the Lord, it doesn't say went into the town, but he sends the two other angels. And they go into this town of Sodom. And Lot recognizes that they're angels. He, he's got enough godliness left in him that he recognizes godly things, but he doesn't have enough strength to be godly. His spirit is willing, but his flesh is weak. And I'm telling you, somewhere in America right now, there's some man in a strip club witnessing to a naked girl. Because his spirit's crying out, wanting to tell her, you don't have to live here. You don't have to do this. But she ain't listening. Because she knows why he's there. (laughs) So the angels agree to go into Lot's house, but the men of the city are so wicked. They come and they say, send those angels out to us because we're going to have sex with them. Did y'all know that was in the Bible? (laughs) This was a wicked town. An appetite for sin in Sodom is never satisfied. In this town, Sodom notates sexual sin. And I want to take another rabbit trail. If you are messing around with sexual sin, if you are dabbling in pornography, if you are dabbling in sexual sin, it is never satisfied. It will take you farther than you want to go. 
I saw a special on Ted Bundy, the guy that used to eat people and kill them. Started out as just simple playboy books. Thought it was no big deal. And he pulled him into deeper realms of debauchery and filth. To the next thing you know, he's eating people. Y'all didn't think y'all was going to hear that when you came to church. I need to stop rabbit trails. Mm. So they're saying, send these men out. So Lot comes out of the door. He's trying to do what's right. He's trying to reason with them. Say, come on, guys, these are my guests. But they say, well, who are you to tell us what to do? You live here. You don't tell us what to do. And they decided they were going to kill Lot. So the angels have to grab Lot and pull him in, into the door and rescue him and blind the people. It's the second time he's been saved that he could have died. Do you always need a miracle in your life? If you're living from miracle to miracle in your life, well, you know, I'm just not going to be able to make the bills this month. I, God, could you send me some money? And you're praying for a miracle. But you know, you're driving a BMW you can't afford or something, you know? Oh, I, you got a BMW. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I should. No. But you can afford yours. <laughs> yours, I got the testimony, is a blessing to you. Okay, so I got out of that one, didn't I? <laughs> Okay, so you're riding a Lamborghini you can't afford and, and, and needing, leading, needing a miracle to pay the bills this month, you know? Or you're saying, God, you're going to have to help me. My, you know, uh, I got this issue in my, my tummy or something, but all you eat is greasy fried foods or something, you know? You're living from needing a miracle to a miracle. And what I begin to realize is I begin to follow the Lord he, he starts saying, if you'll live by my word, you won't need a miracle all the time. Your miracles, you'll be praying for other people. Now, there's nothing wrong with needing a miracle. I have needed a miracle. And I believe God for miracles and everything that happens in my life, right? I'm not saying don't, don't believe for miracles, but I'm just saying don't presume on miracles. Don't presume on God's mercy and don't presume on miracles. Learn to stand on your own two feet in a godly manner. So Lot is saved, and then he gets this bright idea. Well, I'm going to send my two virgin daughters out there. He opens the door and says, guys, y'all can sleep with my two virgin daughters. Just leave these men alone. Where did he see that in the Bible? When you're living in Sodom, when you're living in the world's way of doing things, you can just go ahead and chalk it down. There's going to be dysfunction in your family. Where you, where you decide to live your life is going to affect the rest of your family. Family dysfunction becomes a given in Sodom. Well, anyway, the angels spend the night. The next morning, well, well, that evening, I guess, they're telling uh, Lot and his wife, do y'all have any family? You need to go tell them that they need to get out of here because God is fixing to destroy this city. And so Lot goes to his 
daughters' houses to, to, or to their uh, fiancés. And in Genesis 19, 14, it says, So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés, Quick, get out of the city. The Lord is about to destroy it. But the young men thought he was only joking. His witness had become a joke. Then the next morning, Lot gets up, going to pour him some coffee, and his wife fish and cook some eggs and stuff. You know, let's have some breakfast before we go. And the angels are like, we got to go now. You don't understand what's fixing to happen. The Lord is fixing to destroy this whole place. They're him hauling around. Well, let me get my socks on. No, let me get my bag packed. Do you... Have you ever run into a sinner or a backslidden Christian who thinks they got all the time in the world to get right with God? They're presuming on God's grace. God is graceful. God is merciful. God is a miracle working God. But he doesn't want you to presume on these things. They thought they, they always think they got plenty of time. But by God's mercy, those angels grabbed them by the hand and drug them out of the house. Maybe it had something to do with Abraham's prayers, probably. His, his intercession for his cousin or nephew Lot. But the angels drag them out of the uh, house. And then as they were walking away, the hell and brim, brimstone and fire and all is coming out of the the sky destroying the city, what does Lot do? He starts arguing with the angels about where he's fixing to take him. The angel said, I'm going to take you to the mountains so you can get away from this destruction. He said, I don't want to live in the mountains. I'm not much of a mountain person. Take me over to this little city called Zor. You know, they're not so bad. You know, I could live over there. He, he's trying to compromise with God. So the angel says, Okay, mercy again. He lets him go to Zor. They don't destroy the city of Zor. But it didn't take long before Abraham's not happy with Zor and he moves back to the mountains where God wanted to bring him in the first place. Well, you know how? Oh, we forgot about Lot's wife. Did anybody remember Lot's wife? Jesus remembered Lot's wife. He said in Luke 17, 32, remember what happened to Lot's wife. I was about to forget. As they were on those plains, the angels told them, don't look back. And Lot's wife, she was already lagging behind, but then she looked back. She looked longingly. She looked like, I really want to stay in that sin. I, I have grown accustomed to this. I like that stuff. And even though she was in the middle of God's hand of mercy, she wanted to go back. And one of them big charcoal briskets hit her and knocked her into a pile of salt. You sure this is the road you want to take, that wide path? Are you, are you sure about this? Because you're going to lose your witness. 
You're going to lose your mind. You're going to get tangled up in all this darkness. Your soul's going to be vexed. Nobody's going to believe you when you have something to say. You lose your witness. Your own family won't listen to you. And your wife turns back. His wife is killed. Family's dysfunction. I'm not sure that's the path I want to take. Jesus said, remember what happened to Lot's wife. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you let your life go, you will save it. Now, what in the world does that mean? If you cling to your life. Well, the only way I make sense of this passage is if you cling to the things of this world, your life in this world. You, you act like this is all there is. I got 70, 80 years here and maybe 90, and I'm just going to live it up and have everything the world offers. I'm clinging to this world. You will lose your life. You cling to this earthly life, you will lose eternal life. But if you give up this earthly life for me, he says, you will gain eternal life. And that is what Abraham decided to do. I'm just going to live in tents so that I can be on the move for God while I'm here. I'm not setting down stakes in this earth. He was looking forward to a better kingdom, a longer lasting kingdom. One where the he would be rewarded for his faithfulness and obedience to God. Mm. So, how did Lot's life end up? Well, I think he became a drunkard and he slept with both his daughters and they both got pregnant. It's in the Bible. I didn't write it. They wanted to carry on the family name, I guess. They had the, the Moabites and the Ammonites. The children were named Ammon and Moab. And they were thorns in Israel's side from then on. Mm. Not the ending you expected? The wide path ending never is. So Abraham chose the narrow and found honor and blessing in his life as an ambassador. And Lot chose to compromise, and he lost it all. Our ambassador handbook, also known as the B-I-B-L-E, says in Titus 2.11, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Did you hear that? Your soul will never be vexed when you're living, you're denying ungodly lust and living soberly, righteously, and godly. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. You are living this way because you are looking for Jesus to come back. 
You're looking for that cloud to break open and the trumpet to sound, and you want to be found faithful when he gets here. And here, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You don't want to be running and hiding. All sh- I'm, I'm ashamed of the way I've been, God. You, I can't even look at you. You want to say, Jesus, and run to him with open arms. You want to see Jesus? Then holiness is the highway. It's not perfection. It's not self-righteousness. It's a life set apart, a heart set apart, that it's more important to me to do God's will than it is to do my will. And each morning we come to a crossroads. His mercy is new. What are you going to do? Because this is a daily decision. This isn't something you decided back in 1993 and just magically been that way ever since. This is something you have to fight for. Every day I can, I can wake up on Monday and feeling good and change the world. And on Tuesday it's like, Lord, who am I? I got to get up again Tuesday and follow after the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall, not, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you overcome sin in your life? You walk with the Holy Spirit. You give Him complete control of your life. Surrender every day, every decision. You consult Him. And you walk in the Spirit where there's life and peace. Amen? Psalms 119.9 says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? You say, they can't today. It just ain't possible. All of them are doing this, they're doing that. Have you seen what, the way they act? Can you see what they believe? What they're being taught in the schools? There's no way that a young man can stay on the path of purity. But it says you can by living according to the word. If you've got the Holy Spirit, this word will come alive to you. It is sharper than a two-edged sword dividing against soul and spirit. It will get down and give you new intents in your heart. It is the bread of life. And you will understand it when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Spirit speaking to spirit. This is a spiritual book. It will keep you in your way. You will live a life pleasing to the Lord. Feed on the Word. Give your life to the Holy Spirit each and every day and watch what He do. It's just too fun to preach, ain't it, John? Man, because it's just true stuff. I speak for God when I plead, come back to God. Because, let me just tell you this. God's plan's better than yours. You, you think there's happiness over here, but I'm telling you there's joy over here. <laughs> you think there's fulfillment over here, but there's emptiness. There's a vexation of your soul. But God's plan's going to make you feel complete. <clears throat> You're going to have peace. That passes all understanding to keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus our Lord. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
You are going to live life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, you don't even know the things I have planned for you. It's not entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him and will walk that narrow way. All things will be working together for your good because you walk after the Spirit. We're in all different stages in this place today. Some of us have dabbled a little too much on one, one side or the other. But we're coming at a time where you can't ride the fence no more. You got to choose which side you're going to get on. God loves you. The devil hates you. God will bring you eternal life. Rejecting God will bring you eternal damnation. God's plan is for you to prosper and be in health and your soul to prosper. The devil's plan is for you to be vexed. I know that he dangles those little carrots out in front of us that look so good, but they're fool's gold. They're fool's gold. They never satisfy. They only create that hunger for more darkness. Sin is never satisfied. Let it go. You say, I can't. I can't. Cry out to God, and he'll break those chains for you today. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.